1: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite video games. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Do you remember the Far East movement? No, I don't, actually.
2: There was a band in the early part of the 2010s that did a song called Like a G6. If you want to know the worst song to ever have stuck in your head, Like a G6 is right up there. (laughs) It's 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 in the firmament looking down upon other songs that are bad to have stuck in your head going only a few might match my might also apparently I'm Bane
1: I was gonna say this also seems like a running theme we gotta we gotta get you some better music to get stuck in your head
2: it's (laughs) I listen to a lot of music so I end up with stuff in there yeah.
1: Yeah, But that's not what we're here to talk about, although I'm sure you all would listen to that if we talked about uh, music that gets stuck in our head for hours on end. We're here to answer your questions, uh, whatever you've got thrown at us lore-wise. If you do have questions for this podcast or any of the other podcasts that we do, there are a lot of them now, uh, you can go ahead and send those questions into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. If you are a Patreon supporter, you can go ahead and head over to our Discord channel. And we have a special channel set aside for you called uh, Patreon Q and podcast questions, where we do look first for uh, questions to, to bring up on other shows as a way of saying thank you to our Patreon supporters for continuing to support us and allow us to do the things that we enjoy doing, like making this content. Uh, if you don't like email and you're not a Patreon supporter, you can go ahead and also get down to our Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, I think it might actually just be Q questions channel. Too many channels in our, our Discord. You can go ahead and put them in there, and we'll also look there if we've uh, gone through everything else, and we're still looking for more. Uh, So, yeah, be sure to send those in. We like answering your questions. And we're going to start with one from Seneroth today. Question for Lorewatch. Is there any proof that Azeroth is a Titan beyond what the Titans, their constructs, and the facilities have told us? To me, the only way it makes sense that all these cosmic forces, Titans included, they just got here first, are after Azeroth is because Azeroth Azeroth is a blank slate and the soul will be an agent of whatever force controls Azeroth at its birth. Granted, this whole theory is inspired by the mid-80s laser tag show Photon, but again, I cannot see any other reason why the entirety of the cosmos is so fixated on this one planet unless Azeroth isn't actually a Titan, as we've been led to believe.
2: I mean, there's no evidence for any of it. It's made up. World of Warcraft isn't real. The lore is just stuff that the writers make up. If the writers decide to change the story, they absolutely can or retcon or use whatever word you want to use. Um, As of right now, it's consistent with everything we've, we've learned that that Azeroth is a Titan, perhaps the last Titan or the final Titan, if you want. And that hadn't stopped other cosmic forces from wanting to get Titan world souls before. Uh, the Void Lords are very interested in getting themselves a Titan vo- world soul because then it could become a Void Titan, which is something that the Void doesn't have. The Void has old gods. It doesn't have anything on the scale of a Titan. Um, the Titans seem pretty unique in that they can go into Azeroth or into the the Material Plane, we're going to call it that, and they can act directly, which is not something you see a lot of from other beings. I mean, they're planet-sized. I mean, you know, Amon when he showed up, He like stuck two fingers down and kind of plucked out Yishraj like a pimple and messed everything up in the process, but they can actually act in our, for, you know, in, in the worlds of this cosmos, they can actually act. Sargeras could actually act. Um, there was nothing from like the, the demons don't, didn't have anything like Sargeras before Sargeras showed up. Remember that there was no demon that could stand up to him. Now, fell is a cosmic force, and it's a powerful cosmic force. But they didn't have titans. They didn't have a being that could be that was that powerful. Targaryen was so powerful that when he embraced the fell, not only was he capable of, of fighting his brethren who hadn't embraced it, he was capable of unifying the whole of you know pretty much the whole of demons into a force which is almost impossible otherwise. Demons fight each other. Demons are chaotic. Demons don't trust each other. Demons don't work well together. He made them work together. So, I mean, again, they it could be something else. I mean, at any moment, they could decide to reveal that. But all the in-game contextual stuff we've got seems to go along with the Titan theory, um, up to and including, you know, uh, oh, Billy, heck, what's his name? Magni. Mm-hmm. You know, Magni, you know, when he was talking to Azeroth and later on, he talked to Argus and he said they were similar. Like they, there's the difference between Argus and Azeroth was that something had been spending, you know, untold eons corrupting as Argus. No one was doing that to Azeroth because it was stopped. Um, so yeah, there seems to be fell Titans, void Titans, cosmic forces can overlay themselves onto a Titan and gain a very powerful thing in their in the process. That That's the stated goal of the void Lords, is to corrupt a titan and use it to, to basically you know, wreak havoc in, in existence, to turn the entire universe into like, you know, a big fell corrupted nightmare. Not fell corrupted a void-corrupted nightmare. With the ultimate goal of unmaking all existence. But again, that's just the context of the game, and they could change it anytime they wanted. They could come along. The stuff we've got is from Chronicle. Chronicle is definitely written from a titan perspective. You are correct in that, we don't have anything from a non-titan perspective saying that Azeroth is a world soul we just have you know the titans uh titan constructs titan facilities and magni
1: there's and that's it there's something to the blank slate thing though in in so much that
2: but if- yeah that doesn't change the fact that it could be a titan world soul because that's what exactly what happened when sargeras found the void corrupted one being born and he killed it
1: yeah, that's where I was kind of going with that. I was going to launch into that a little bit. But if you stop thinking about – and I think this is what Shadowlands has kind of given us that I think gives us a little bit more perspective on it, especially now that we started talking about like the, the Eternal Pantheon, the the Undying Ones, the, the Pantheon of Death, and their relationship to the Titans is it just seems like all of these beings are on the same order of magnitude – With different aspects of what they can do and that what they are is more of a title than it is a race, if that makes sense. So in the case of like what Matt's saying with the the Void Lords, they cannot affect the material plane, not in the same way that Titans can. They can't create anything that's not their purpose they can they can manipulate life they can take something that's been created and corrupt it and change it and shift it and we've actually seen that plenty of times but even when they hurl pieces of themselves into the material plane they are shifted that's what creates the old gods and the old gods landing on a planet and then using the resources life and flesh of that planet to create monstrosities and gorge themselves on power and spirit and become larger, and then use pieces of themselves to be, you know, to be flung out there. But they're still only capable of doing that by being a parasite and by piggybacking off of something else. They can't do that themselves. Whereas titans, on the other hand, seem to be able to mold and shape out of nothing if they really want to, or of the the, the pure energy of the cosmos or whatever it is that's there. So if you take away the, the racial aspect of it or, or the classification of it uh, and look at it more of a title. If Azeroth wakes up and she is raised by Titans, she's a Titan. If Azeroth wakes up and she's raised by void Lords or old gods or corrupted by them in some manner, which we've seen as something that's possible, then she becomes a void Titan or something else. And we can start to see some of that. Like, like I said, like you start to see some of that, that sort of like spheres of influence with, the Pantheon of Death, where they have a certain limitation, they cannot affect the Prime Material Plane. Titans very likely can't affect the Shadowlands. We don't know that, but there's a pretty good, pretty good estimation of that. We also, Or they just never go there. Or they just never go there. Or maybe they can't go there.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's we've seen a Titan die.
1: We have. You
2: know, we killed Argus, and Argus is not in the Shadowlands. Where did Argus go? Did Argus and all the power of Argus, did that go to the back to the Plane of Order? I mean that we there's a lot we don't know about this cos the cosmic forces that make these beings up. We know that Sargeras managed to become a fell titan without like being raised by demons or anything like that. He simply embraced it and became mm-hmm. it. Uh it's quite possible that other titans could do the same. We we simply do not know. Uh whatever Elune is, for example, and we don't know what Elune is. She's considered an equal by the Winter Queen, who is one of the Pantheon of Death. She's her sister. They, they use the word sister. We don't know if they mean literally. They came from the same thing, where they once one being and then it died and now it's two beings. I no idea, but we know that the Winter Queen considers Alun her sister and that they have a. Alun seems to reciprocate this, because while possessing Taronda, Illoon you know accepted it, spoke to the Winter Queen as an equal. So whatever Alun is she and the winter queen consider themselves to be siblings. And that has implications for what's coming. It has implications for what the word Titan means. Titan might just be a word we use for these powerful beings of order that exist in our universe because we've never seen anything like them before. And now we're seeing the other, you know, variants of them. We're seeing the pantheon of
1: death and Zoval, beings that are on their scale. And it would also make sense why like things in that same vein, why we see things like the Void trying to penetrate the Shadowlands with, we would assume, a similar goal. We haven't gotten very far with, with the history of that. We know that they've tried to do uh, invasion stuff there multiple times. But why? Why are they so – why were they keen on that as well? Is, is that because, like we're pointing out here, that these beings, these cosmic-level entities, there, there are multiple incarnations of them that exist within certain confines of reality? It, it we're getting into like this weird like esoteric uh like existential sort of like view of the world World of Warcraft universe and i don't mind it but it it can it's very easy to get lost into Here's the weeds, thing. right since
2: we're talking about that yeah since since you brought that up this is something i want to point out to you one of the the differences might be in the means by which they enter the world mm-hmm. look at the naru the naru are beings of light but they can't just be beings of light in in the material cosmos of the Warcraft universe. It's a
0: they have shell. to have
2: the they have to have the physical shell, but more importantly, they have to have a void cycle. Mm-hmm. They have to obey something about that universe. They can't just be light. They have to have a void cycle. It's part of who they are. It's part of their their essence. Maybe the reason that Titans can go around our cosmos doing things is because they have to be born into Azeroth, into the universe of Azeroth. That's why Azeroth has a world soul in it. That world soul is being born. Which, it is, which we it, saw with it, Argus. It, yeah, we saw that with Argus. We've seen that with all the Titans. Maybe it's it's the reason that they have the power to act in our cosmos is because they're willing to pay the cost. Maybe they abandon... like. The Void Lords and their servants retain the knowledge of the Void in our cosmos. Mm-hmm. The old gods know about the Void. The old gods are aware of the thousand truths. Imagine if, in order to really affect a reality, you have to become part of it, and that's why the Titans exist in our material plane. That's why they're born the way they are. They they enter into it and are they're nascent when they come in. They're they're for lack of a better word, fetal. They're they're. They're not yet real, and they have to gather a shell around themselves that forms a world, and they have to gather spirit energy from the cosmos itself in order to become part of it. In the same way that the Naru need to have the void cycle to rege- to regenerate when they have expended their light, there there has to be a price paid to exist in this cosmos, and that might be part of the life death cycle that we're seeing in Shadowlands. I mean, the spirit energy that the, the Titans absorb sounds an awful lot like Anima. Like, maybe that's why the, the the Pantheon of Death is a Shadowlands concern. Maybe that's the realm that they sacrificed to be born into so that they could affect it. And we don't know. A lot of this is stuff we don't know. We don't know what the First Ones did or, or how they shaped the existence or how much of existence they shaped. Were they simply the first ones of the Shadowlands or were they the first ones of all existence? Uh the implication is is that Zoval can affect the entire existence can affect all of reality from Zerath Mortis, but we don't know why, or if that's actually the case. Or
1: if it's just something he believes, right? Like it could be yeah. a belief, it could be a thought, it could not be reality.
2: Or maybe he doesn't care about maybe to him reality is the Shadowlands. He'll reshape the Shadowlands and that's plenty for him. We don't know.
1: Or maybe we that's why he wants, because there's a comment we got a question about this a few weeks ago, like The why does Oval possibly want Azeroth? Maybe that's why. Maybe that's part of it because he can't affect the prime material plane. He can't affect reality in the same way that a regular Titan can even maybe possibly even with Xerath Mortis. And maybe he needs that energy. Maybe he needs a Titan being born in order to either a uh, have influence in the material plane uh, or B uh, actually like that's part of his whole reshaping reality thing where there's now a counterpart to him where, you know, like we talked about going back to the original point, maybe he imprints himself upon it, or his way yeah, of thinking. Maybe he makes a Death Titan. Maybe he makes a Death Titan. Yep.
2: Yeah, Now there's a Titan in our reality, just like the Void Lords believe that having a Titan in our reality will allow them to uh, to change the entire universe to, be, to suit them. Maybe that's what he's going for. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, these are all really cool and, possible ideas, and none of it is contradictory to the idea that Azeroth is a Titan, but none of it None of it can prove Azeroth is yeah. a titan. nether. There's no proof to be had. It, it's, it's not possible. This is a story. Uh, it can be changed. I mean, if you go back and look at the King Arthur, you know, f- the, the, the myths and legends of King Arthur, if you go back and look at the old Welsh ones, there's nobody named Lancelot in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Arthur's queen absolutely did not sleep with him. Because they would never have said that. That was like, are you kidding me? You want me to say that the king, you know, his wife cheated on him? <laughs> no, it was French troubadour troubadours who came along later. Like you've, you've, you know, they're the ones that said that, and it stuck and it became part of the myth. That's kind of how this works, but much faster because we're in the internet age and it's it's a modern story being being written by people right now. If they decide tomorrow that they want this to be something other than a the titan, they can absolutely do it.
1: And so we don't know what they're going to, what they're going to do with it, but we do know that whatever it is, Azroth will remain the central MacGuffin of the universe for all forces to fight over because we are the center of the universe. And that's just kind of how this works. Uh, our next question comes from. Oh, hold, De- on, hold
2: on. I do want to make absolutely sure that you understand that I am not mocking your idea. I think it's actually a really interesting idea. I just can't say. Like, I, I, I can't tell you you're wrong because they, they could absolutely do that. I can't say that you're right because there's no such thing as proof in this situation. I hope that's clear. I do really like the idea that the blank slateness of Azeroth is what draws everybody to it.
1: I would agree. You
2: know, I think that's a really cool idea. And I wanted to make sure I said that because sometimes I come off as a little dismissive.
1: And that's fair. And and, and I guess it kind of goes without saying that if at any point in time we start talking about an idea in that regard, we're not we're not trying to dismiss your idea um, unless we flat out say that we're dismissing your idea. Uh, but we try we try not to do that as, as often as possible. So just, you know, kind of bear with it with a, a grain of salt. We kind of pick at it until we get to where we're. So uh, the next question comes from depressed. Dino dad. I'm sorry that you are depressed. Dino dad. Uh, howdy, snowball starers. You might be in some trouble because I've got a molten hot take. I'm hoping the next expansion puts all the racial leaders on sabbatical, healing from Shadowlands and reintegrating to Azeroth politics. Meanwhile, we go exploring and find the Dragon Isles along the way. So since we are technically on the Ronin-altered War of the Ancients timeline, and Murozond is technically outside of time altogether, why does our Norsdomu have to fall to that fate? I know he says as much, but he also lost himself in the sands of time at one point and then depletes his aspect power. I don't find his conclusions completely reliable since it just it's just connecting the dots of Norsdomu seeing his own death. I think it's completely possible Murozond was from the original timeline and our Norsdomu gets never gets corrupted at all. Unless, and this is a tinfoil hat speculation, we get to the Dragon Isles, which is actually a Titan facility where Tyr pressed the Aspect protocol button to empower the proto-aspects, which we need to do again because life, but is now overrun by Old God forces, and in returning the Aspect's power through said facility, we also let Whispers invade Norse Domo's mind. Um, This is actually something that uh, we've talked about in the past with the Dragon Isles, like, is it a Titan facility? Um, is it something that tier used in order to empower the aspects? We know that he did this, but I don't know that we actually know the vehicle with which the aspects were in power, just that they were empowered, And I think well, it's open-ended enough too. that they could do something like this, right? Go ahead.
2: Yeah. One thing to keep in mind too, is that all of these facilities were once part of a giant continent spanning place. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's very possible. The dragon isles have pieces of the Titan facility. That was once part of an overall overarching one that we don't have access to anymore because the world got sundered, um, but absolutely could have existed at one time. So that, that that's possible. But I want to talk about timelines in world of Warcraft because it doesn't have them. That's the thing you have to keep remembering. There's no such thing as alternate timelines. There's time ways. Think of it less like the timeline theory is basically goes along the lines of you've got a river going downstream and then a fork happens and the river splits into two. And those two rivers run parallel for a while, but as they run, they get further and further away from each other. That's the basic concept of a timeline. Timeways don't work that way. Timeways are very much like if you look at modern evolutionary theory with the branching pathways, timeways are like it branches and then it comes back together. Mm -hmm. And those blips where it goes off are like pockets of time. It's not like an actual completely separate universe that's going off on its own forever. It's like this, this decision would have happened. When this decision happens, there's an outpocketing. Eventually, one of the two decisions becomes more real, for lack of a better word. And that one becomes the truth and the universe as we go forward. And the other one gets reabsorbed and, and isn't really there anymore. I am not sure how this is supposed to work. I, I've we've talked about this before. We we talked about it with Steve Denizer. We we've said, dude, this this is confusing. And it is. It's real confusing. But think of it less like there is there is no other world out there where Ronan and Calix, you know, I want to say Calix Strauss, but that's not his name. Um oh bloody heck. You know the guy I'm talking about, Coriel Strauss.
1: Yeah, Coriel Strauss. Yeah, thank there you, you go.
2: Those two went back in time and they didn't just, they didn't create an alternate reality. They created a bifurcation point and the reality we're in now is the one that won. Yeah. And that reality is the one where they went back in time. Eat. So yes, up until they went back in time, that time that didn't exist, but now it always has because yeah. it's time travel.
1: The best way that I can actually put this, if you ever want to like, and I, I I hate to to say this because it's a pop culture reference, but- a movie that actually really well describes kind of what we're talking about here is legitimately back to the future Two. <laughs> go and watch it. I've just, there's re- a
2: reason people use back to the future Two to explain this all the time. Yeah. Because, it, because it's, it's, it's exactly either that this. Or Terminator.
1: Yeah. It, it It's exactly this. Like it, if you want to understand more of what Matt's talking about, go watch that movie and just kind of take a look. It is phenomenal to explain like how going back to the past can modify it. And, and, There's even an event that happens in there where the Almanac finds its way into Biff's uh, hands. Uh, That never happened originally, but it happened, and now it has to continue to happen because if you alter the original event of that occurring, you alter everything and change everything forward. So you have to – like they have to go back and sort of like figure out how to make the proper timeline or like – push it back in so that it is the dominant. Like how do you shift it and push the, that bifurcation point so that the one you want to become dominant becomes dominant It is
2: how do you make it as close as possible to what you had without uh-huh. invalidating what you did? Because you, the stuff you did has to be there. You, you did it. Mm-hmm. You have to have it in, in part of it, but you can, it's another good example is Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and the sequels specifically bogus journey. Mm hmm there's a part where they're fighting uh denomalous and by the way denomalous is an anagram of ed solomon who is the guy who is like producing these so i always love that a little bit Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. they they do a thing where they drop a cage on him they go back in time to before the conflicts with him happens and set up a cage and it drops on him and he goes ah but you forget i can do that too and he comes out and he provides a gun and he tries to pull the trigger but the gun doesn't work and they're like dude only one of us is actually going to win And go back and do that. Since we already decided that we were going to do it and did it, you didn't get to do it. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. There's, there's a, there's rigid plasticity to this. It, it will change. You can shift it, but it doesn't want to, and it will try real hard to get back to the path that it wants to be taking.
1: All that to come back and say that that sort of means that Nor's isn't wrong. Yeah, right.
2: Exactly. He, he did. You're not wrong in saying that there was a timeline where he, you know, all that stuff happened. He got swept up in the time. So that all happened, but we were just jarred onto a new track and he still has his, his date with destiny coming up. In fact, his giving up his power actually makes it even more likely because he fixed the moment. Remember, he used all his power to fix the moment mm-hmm. so that the things that had happened up to that point would happen. There was no way out for Deathwing. The The old gods couldn't mess around with time and pull him out of this. It was going to happen just like it was happening.
1: It was a determ- deterministic point, a fixed point in time that he yeah. created, right?
2: Yeah, and he did that. He's like, all through all time, all reality, this moment, boom. And, and that was what he did. That's what how he gave up his power to do. So... Yeah, it seems weird that Murazan seems to be on the scale of 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 Nosdormu, but perhaps that's the whole point. Like he want like when he goes crazy, he tries to get his power back. I mean, but your idea about the the Dragon Isles being involved in it, it's cool. I, I do like that idea, but it could very well be what he saw happening. You know, he he he's the moment where we kill Murazan is the moment he saw. He didn't see everything on the path to it. He just saw that moment. That's how he knows that's his death. Mm-hmm. When we kill Murazond, he knows that's us killing him. He, he saw it. He experienced it. That's his death. And therefore, he will become Murazond. He will always have been going to turn into Murazond, is another way to put it.
1: But he doesn't know how he becomes Murazond. He doesn't know the entirety of the journey. He doesn't know yeah. the moment he flips. He just knows the moment of his death. And that's
2: because and that's why he can't just say, well, I'm not going to do that because he has no idea what what it is. He doesn't know how he did it. He doesn't know why he ended up that way.
1: He just has to keep he just has to keep plugging forward. And now going back to what you said, there is a possibility that that could be a moment that we create our own undoing, because it seems like a very Azerothian hero thing to do. Right. Uh, Oh, it's the time of mortals, but the world is starting to, to fall apart or we need help healing the world. Uh, we need to empower aspects because currently there are no aspects. There are there is nothing in those wheelhouses and they had very specific jobs that they needed to do, whether it was shepherding magic, shepherding time, shepherding life, uh, shepherding, uh, you know, the earth and ways and making sure that the earth didn't, you know, kind of blow up itself. I mean, think about this. If we had an earth warder right now, do you think that a giant, giant sword in the side of Azeroth would be much of a problem? Probably not, but we don't have an empowered black dragon aspect. So I could totally see us saying, yeah, we need to go figure out how Tyr did this in the first place and then do it again and figure out what we, you know, how we can empower them so that we can use the Titan powers to fix Azeroth, to fix these timelines. Because also don't forget, like, we have a pocket dimension out there that we've talked about several times on here. We've had several questions about with the whole, you know, light bound with them existing out there. We know that that still exists. The Magar orcs have been pulled into our reality. That, that is a thing that happens and that's still there. We can't close that off. That's always a threat. So going and saying, look, we need to start closing some of these pocket dimensions. Again, we need to start, you know, shepherding the timeline or shepherding space and reality. Again, we can't do that. Not yet. We're not gods. Uh, Xerath Mortis probably can't do that necessarily because again, we keep talking about that being the engine of the afterlives. We don't know that it can affect reality. So what do you do? You go to the Dragon Isles, you find this, this, this point where, you know, the dragons were empowered by tier. And if you are correct, and there is that sort of corruption, which we should point out during the battle for Azeroth, when we are basically linking all of the facilities together, one, there's, there's facilities that we know that exist that we haven't found yet, because, uh, the main of the Heart, Matt pointed that out uh, artfully during Battle for Azeroth. Um, we have all we had uh, Alduar being cut off from it because Memron's like, nope, this is a terrible idea. Y'all are corrupted. We're shutting down. Mother had been doing weird things for eons at this point and was helping us facilitate this, but we don't know that she was uncorrupted. We have all these these factors. It could be entirely a thing where like we re-originated Nazoth and he's a ghost in the machine now. And now he's inside of the Titan facilities trying to worm his way. And so we empower the aspects and he goes, Ah, eh, Nor's Domu, I got this. Uh by the way, uh, see this? You're mine now. And now he sees the infinite possibilities and can't do his job anymore. And this is the moment that he becomes Murazond because it's something that he would do. That he didn't see coming. It's a choice he would make to keep all reality safe. He absolutely would. He would do it again. So maybe we're the cause of it. Maybe we're the cause of his his fall from grace's corruption and the cause of his death. We don't know. But I think it's a cool idea. And I think it would be a really cool storytelling point if we get through all this stuff, we fight for however long it is to re empower the aspects to bring another life war- or to bring the life order back, to bring. Um, another shepherd of the Emerald dream forward uh, in the case of Ysera's daughter, who's still around uh, trying to to plug all the holes that we've created. And we've created a lot of them only to make one more because we are incredibly short sighted and don't know how to vet anything because that's what we do. So I would be cool with that. I think that would be fine. And I think it would be a a nice little way of confirming what Matt said all along is that, and and, and you can't kill an old God. And if you can't kill an old God, what happens when you reoriginate? It's just going to be bad. We just haven't seen the repercussions of
2: it. Yeah, like, I mean, C'Thun, we killed C'Thun a while back, and he's still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, what wh- what is the point of killing these guys if nothing happens? Y'shraj was killed by a titan eons ago. His freaking heart can still do things. Yep. It's like every little piece of Y'shraj is magic. Every little thing just turns us off. Even though our lives have become completely tragic. Even though our hearts, will, you know, will go on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That was for you, Joe.
1: <laughs> now that's going to be stuck in my head all day, as well as <laughs> you probably at least a good ten percent of our listeners. Uh, but it, it, there, there is something there too. Like there's something there that we, because we, we don't fully understand the old gods. The Titans didn't fully understand the old gods. That was nope. the whole point of the facilities. They were trying to study it. They accidentally created an old God.
2: Yeah. Gahoon is because they wanted to know what these things were. And then like, you know, if we just stick all of this horrible old God stuff together. Oh no. Oh, he didn't want that to happen. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it is interesting. And I think it might be related to that whole idea of, you know, the old gods are, are thrown into our reality by the void Lords. Mm-hmm. And as Joe pointed out, they can't create anything. They corrupt things. Even the things that are born out of their flesh sack bodies, like the Naraki and the Akir, are like twisted, corrupted versions of things that already exist. Like, it's like they, they, they batten into a planet and then start making mockeries of the things that were already there. Yep. Well, so, I mean, to
1: be fair, the Titans do the same thing.
2: The Titans can come upon a planet that's got nothing on it and put stuff there. Sure. And at least the, the old gods know they straight up just twist and mutate things it's really fascinating uh, but that might be one of the reasons that they're capable of existing in our reality at all is because they they don't they're not part of our reality they're literally this is this is a piece of the void in our world and it twists yeah. everything around it it's like a vortex that spins everything into different shapes
1: and I mean, and, and think about the the what we just went through with Battle for Azeroth and Azoth, right? Like he created and constructed an entire pocket reality in inside of his version of the Black Empire. We went to Nialotha. Nialotha was essentially a pocket dimension. We don't know how he spun that up. We don't know what if that's just a natural power or if that's some him hijacking a pocket of of Shadowlands or him hijacking a pocket of, of existence or whatever the case is. We fought it. We killed things there. We took pieces of him or pieces of old god out. I mean, I got a an axe with an eyeball in my bank. I'm not gonna, I mean, it's there. It's it's physical. I can hold it. It still exists, at least in terms of my character in game. But like we we don't understand the implications of that. We don't understand what allows them to do that fully. We know, like Matt pointed out, Titans can't kill them. They've tried. We've seen the corruption effect. We've seen the corruption effect, like just kind of go on. Look at, um, look at the blood trolls, look at the blood trolls in, oh, bloody heck. What's the dungeons name? And it's a dungeon.
2: The one in there where that's like all horrible disease. everywhere. Yeah. I can't remember the name either,
1: but like it's a Titan facility.
2: I've been trying to forget that place. Let be up
1: front. (laughs) It's not a, not a great dungeon to run it. it, Horrible, horrible nightmares. A mythic plus, um, but it, it exists, and it is completely, completely just strewn about with old Underrot. god corruption, under rot. That's it, and it is rotted through. It is just webways of like old god sticky flesh everywhere because it's bled out of Aldir. It's bled out of the main Titan facility, and like they, they, we don't understand their reach. We don't understand what they can do. We don't understand any of that stuff, and I don't think we're gonna get any insight on it during Shadowlands because I don't think the Shadowlands know that old gods even exist. They know the void exists. They've seen the void. They fought the void. They're aware of it. But also when the void entered the Shadowlands unlike our reality, it didn't mutate. You look at Bastion, they didn't they didn't dig in. They couldn't fling themselves there the same way. So could there be something coming down the line where they they pop up and we we wind up corrupt Accidentally corrupting the rest of the Titan facilities? Maybe. Maybe this was N'Zoth's plan all along. Maybe he's already worming his way into the brain and, and dream state of Azeroth. We'll find out at some point. All right, our next question. Uh, hey all, I've been thinking about the Eternal Ones and zoval's past a bit and had a pretty horrific thought. So the Eternal Ones are Eternal, right? Right. Obviously. It's right there in the name but the Winter Queen has memories of coming into existence. That kind of bugged me, but the 9.2 stuff really messed me up. What if the Eternal Ones aren't Eternal because they can never die, rather that any time one of them dies, the system is programmed to zoop out a new one to replace them? What if this new copy contains only the core programming, state of the world, role, relationships, etc., with no memory backups transferred from previous incarnations. nobody's ever killed in the story, they're always imprisoned. What if this isn't out of compassion, but necessity? What if the Eternal Ones didn't know about their existence until Zoval? Imagine the scenario. Wayne's World. Uh, Zaval betrays the Eternal Ones and tries to gain access to the First One's knowledge. In desperation, they try to stop him, and he is slain. For a few moments, they feel safe, celebrating in their victory. Then they hear a buzzing sound, and zoop! Zolval is resubstantiated in a new body, lacking any memory of his previous incarnations or any of his previous plans. The Eternal One sees Zolval and chain him while he, rightly confused, asks what they are doing to him. Zolval is imprisoned, and he attempts to convince his brethren that he has no memory of what he is uh, being imprisoned for Are ignored, and over the countless millennia to follow, he hungers for revenge for his betrayal. Piecing together the plans his previous incarnation had set in motion and devoting himself completely to seeing it through. What are your thoughts? It's Probably highly unlikely, but it seems like it could be an amazing tragedy and a big twist for a character we know very little about. And this one comes from Katara.
2: Well, I mean, there is something that can point to the possibility of your theory here, which I don't subscribe to, but I, I want to mention this. We know that in Zerath Mortis, specifically inside the raid, there are prototype Eternals. No, no, they're, they're,
1: they're, they're creations. They're new creations. They're not prototypes. Yeah, but
2: they're prototypes. They're called that. The prototype of duty, the prototype of they're, they're not, they're not the old ones. They're not like, you know, pr- original ones that were used to create mm-hmm. new ones. Mm-hmm. but they're like brand new ones that are just called that. Right. They're not there yet. We don't know what, how, what they are, or how they got there. They seem to be meant to replace the, uh, eternal ones. We don't know if Zoval just decided I to make them. thought they said he did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't, but we don't know for sure yet. There's, there's nothing in the, in the adventure journal yet. But if the technology to make new ones is there, then that at least implies that you might be onto something with your idea. But I, I don't think that's the case because I don't see in Zoval somebody who doesn't remember everything that's ever happened to him. You don't build a grudge like this unless you remember. And he, he knows what he tried to do, you know? Plus we know that they took the Arbiter out of him and made a new one. Mm Mm-hmm. And that implies that they didn't kill him, that they just took something away from him. And he knew the whole time that they had done it. That's why he wanted revenge and to get it back. If he didn't know what the Arbiter was, like, you know, if he didn't, I, I don't, I don't think it works just because there's too much that he requires that they all remember. But I do understand what you're saying. And I do think there is some possibility that perhaps they are. You know, I've, I've thought from the beginning that it's quite possible. The reason that the eternal ones exist in the Shadowlands is because they're dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, that's possible. I mean, they, they, we know that Titans don't go to the Shadowlands. We're told that repeatedly. Um, we do see Titan stuff in the shadow lands, but the Titans themselves don't go there. Why is that? We don't know. We know the eternal ones do go to the Shadowlands, and we know the eternal ones are certainly on a Titanic power scale. So what are they? How do they get there? I and, this is not something we can really answer, but there is something in Zarath Mortis that seems connected to it.
1: There's also there's some
2: creations problem. that that Zoval is making.
1: Go ahead. There's also something that I think a lot of people are are missing or or and we've talked about this before and it's not it's not that I think your your idea is bad. I think there there is a possibility that there might be fail-safes in place. However, I think it's more than that. I don't think that they're they chose not to kill Zoval because a new one would pop up. I think they chose not to kill Zeval because they all understand that they are their respective realms. We've heard this from Kyrestria. We've heard this from uh, Den- Denathrius. We've heard this from the Winter Queen. I am, insert realm name here. And there's a lot of truth to that. What we don't know is what would happen if one of them was truly undone. What would happen to their realm? And if Zolval was the original Arbiter, like we've told he is, does the Maw have to exist as the center point for the other realms to exist? And I think this is more likely. And we've talked about this before, because the Maw is the default place where all the souls go. I just recently redid the, or, or, or worked in my way through the Kyrian campaign uh, because I wanted to experience that particular story. And there's some very, very telling and very important moments in that campaign. Um, I honestly think that people should play through it. And I never thought I would say that because I thought it was going to be weird. And it is weird, but in all the right ways. But there's this moment, and Matt's brought this up a few times, where uh, Clea says, we're just going to jump in. We're just going to go into this never-ending well of souls, this stream of life, uh, And you think about that, you sit back, it's like, yes, this is his never-ending moment, that only the Arbiter is capable of a diverting, then why is the Maw the default? And what would happen if the Maw didn't exist? Not as an obulette to, to just throw the unwanted things, but is that what ties the other uh, the other particulars of those realms together? Is the engine of death contingent on that existing, and as a result... If Zolval were to die and no longer exist or be unmade, would the rest of them float off into nothingness or would they all float off and no longer be connected? Would Oribos exist still? Would it even be there? What would happen yeah, is, to all those is souls? Oribos,
2: I mean, for that matter, is Oribos the the other side of, of the tower, um, Torgast? Seems like it. Yeah, I mean, the, the two of them seem to be directly connected. Like Souls go from Oribos in a great stream down into the Maw hmm like they're like two pieces of the same thing and there's there's a lot of stuff like we've talked before about the fact that the the very shadowlands at least if you go by the concept of you know when uh denathrius says i am revendreth or what have you if you look at like maldraxxus maldraxxus is a giant corpse you are wandering around on a giant corpse all the materials taken out of maldraxxus are like you know hair or bile or flesh are they all giant corpses and just some of them don't seem as like meaty? Like is, is Bastion basically just a giant, you know, angel body? Like, is it, are these the bodies of the eternal ones? Are the beings we're seeing like their souls or spirits chained to their corpses because their corpses aren't just physical, they're metaphysical. I mean, that, that could be the case. We don't know, but it would explain why, you know, Revendreth responds to, Denathrius's will things he wants to have happen happen and it's the same for all of them Mm -hmm. like we know that if you kill kyrestia if you kill her bastion goes away
1: ardenwell with the winter queen when you are talking with her and talking about her memories of coming to the land she even says i just knew that i was tied here that i was the shaper of this realm right like it's it's an instinctual thing at at a level that maybe they're programmed for maybe it's all one great machine uh but yeah, there, there's there's something there, at least with that, which I think is so, more why they don't
2: yeah. kill him. If they, they, you know, for that matter, they might not actually really know how to kill him. True. I mean, you're in the Shadowlands. Like, final death happens, but it's when people's anima are entirely turned away. They're the Eternal Ones. Can you do that to them?
1: They also, I don't know. They make it a point to shove Denathrius into a sword and hold the sword as a prison. Yeah. They don't, they don't kill him. They don't unmake They don't even his try anima. to
2: kill him. They don't even try.
1: Yep. You know, so
2: why is that? I mean, it's it's the same thing as Zoval. Is it because he would just pop up again? Or is it because literally there wouldn't be a Revendreth anymore without him?
1: And they need Revendreth. They need yeah. Revendreth they, to, sh- to strip the pride and hubris from souls.
2: Well, plus what's was the old, one thing the old saying, you know, that's where they well, they don't live there, but they're there. They, you know, it's where they keep their stuff. It's where they exist. <laughs> you know, um, so, yeah, I, I don't. I certainly think that it is possible that Zoval has access to something that will allow him to make his view of what they should be exist because we fight them, but we fight them, which implies that they're not the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to put it, uh, that there is, there's something fundamental to the existence of the shadowlands that we still don't really understand. And that I think Zareth Mortis is going to explain to us. At least in some to some detail, I don't know how the story is not that concerned with us really understanding the true nature of the Shadowlands, but I definitely think we're going to see some of that in Xerath Mortis.
1: Yeah, I think so too, and I think that there's going to be more explanation in terms of what you're talking about here that gives it a little more context. Again, I don't I don't hate the idea that there might be some sort of backup protocol because it seems like that would be likely that maybe if because it's creating afterlives. If all those afterlives are tied to uh, prime beings of some type, why couldn't there be more of them out there? And why couldn't it create more of them? Because that seems to go hand in hand. If Sarath Mortis creates afterlives and the engine is being used to create other members of the new pantheon of death, in this case. Maybe, the,
2: yeah, maybe he's creating new afterlives. Yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe the two are tied together and, and, you know, Arden Weld would go away and then another Arden Weld would, would pop up with a new uh aspect or whatever in charge of it and maybe the experiment would iterate and okay this worked this didn't here's everything that failed remove all failure uh, things and now 2.0 is in there and then if that fails 3.0 and 4.0 and so on and so forth but we don't know we have no idea so we'll find out more um the next question we have is actually several questions that we carrying over from last week, uh, so we'll see how many we can get through here in the last uh, ten minutes of the show. Uh, can you elaborate on the difference between void and fell magic in terms of what they represent? You said previously void is endless possibility. Does that not include fell magic, or is fell some kind of chaos magic outside of what is isn't seen as possible to be? Void
2: is essentially rejection of a worldview. Light views light is revelatory. Light is this is what's real. Void is nothing is real. And thus if nothing is real, anything can happen. Because none of it matters. It's not real anyway. That's that's kind of the the most stripped down version I can do of it. Fell is (laughs) fire. Like seriously, it's it is just chaos. It's chaos without any structure. That's why Sargeras always had a very quixotic job in that he had to force them to do what he wanted them to do. You'll notice the second he's gone the demons aren't like you know we have to counterattack they're f everything. You know, each is out for themselves. Um in terms of fell magic, fell magic is you know completely exists it exists it's real. We see the fell all the time, but it's very much a destructive force that actually consumes everything in its path. And it's said that it's cr- was created by light light and void you know ex- annihilating each other simultaneously that that's where fell power comes from. I couldn't tell you now that we have the cosmology chart, I, I, there just seems to be a fell realm. So I don't know, but that's the, the, the stripped down super basic version of, of this void. is isn't void. Existing doesn't contradict fell because void doesn't actually exist. And that's where you like, wait, if it doesn't exist, how is it doing stuff? Yeah, I know, but that's the whole purpose of void is to be a void.
1: Even even we talked about this a little bit with, earlier with the old gods, like even Void is a perversion of reality. It's still trying to mimic the creation of something, whether it is uh, successful in that or not is a whole other thing. Right. But it, it, the, the light is definitely on the side of creation. You have these forces where they they don't want things to they want things to to exist in a very particular way. Fell, on the other hand, like Matt pointed out, just consumes It is chaos. It is fire. Fire cares not what the fuel is, only that it is allowed to burn. And that's what fell is. Fell will consume worlds, lives, bodies, anything that it can. And it doesn't care if it's helping the void. It doesn't care if it's helping the light. None of that stuff matters. It's not trying to create a damn thing. It just wants everything to be glorious chaos, burn destruction, and anarchy. That's what it wants. And you can see that on fell consumed worlds. You can see that on worlds where the fell is is prevalent. You can go to Argus and see some of that. This these are yeah. these are things that you can witness. And go
2: to Draenor. I mean, not Draenor Outland, mm-hmm. and see what it's like when a world is you know when the fell enters a world, it starts to die. That's why even before the planet got torn apart, Draenor was dying because things wouldn't grow there anymore because life couldn't find purchase because all the stuff that makes like work was getting destroyed by fell. That's what fell does.
1: So I, hopefully that explains the difference of it. Um, then we can go on to the next question, which I think ties in a little bit, which is, uh, If yes, do you think Fell is the reason so many predictions have been consistently wrong in our universe so far? If it's creating possible futures that exist beyond the realm of void light's perception. I think that it's not necessarily that it creates different things, but it destroys those things, right? Like if the light props something up and says, this is the way it's going to be, and Fell goes, nope, and burns it up then that thing doesn't exist anymore. It's no longer an option on the playing field and the void can't see it anymore because it no longer exists. So it sort of ruins those things by eliminating chess pieces from the,
2: but ultimately that doesn't really hurt void as much as it hurts light. Mm -hmm. Because light wants things to be real. What light wants to have a defined reality void wants everything to be nothing. So if nothing, if everything becomes nothing because it all got burned down, that's less pure than everything just not existing at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: but it's still something for the void's purposes. The void would like the entirety of reality to not exist. If it has to go through an existing process and then be burned to destruction by the fell, at least it still gets to the part where it's not there anymore. You know what I'm saying? That kind of works. That's why you see when the fell comes to a world, the void doesn't really take umbrage at this. And you saw in, in a uh, world as a drain Guldon actually managed to create a demon that was like drawing upon both fell and void at the same time. Yeah. Void was willing to go along with this because it's still, it still gets it where it wants to go. It may go there by a way that is inherently like it, it, the, the way it's doing it is it's the, remember the old concept of the, the ends justify the means. Yeah. Machiavelli. It's like that with the void, the void looks at Fell and goes, okay, that's gross, but it'll still get me what I want. So, okay, it's kind of like that. Yeah, yes, it, it it is horrible that we have to have this thing that's cont- constantly making stuff happen, but it ultimately destroys everything it touches. So, yeah, okay, yeah, that that works. And the, the light's like, no, we want this one thing to exist. You know, and so the light's like, that's why the light fights the the fell, not because of its inherent opposition to it, like the way it is with the void, but because it's ruining all of its stuff. Like the light wants this one reality to exist and the bell is doing its best to make sure it doesn't, uh, it's, but it's not in a existential way. It doesn't care that reality is there. It just wants reality to be full of everything being burned up. So yeah, it's still a problem for the light.
1: Yep. I would agree. We have one last question here from Keelan and, uh, we're going to answer this, uh, maybe not in the way that you want, but we're going to answer it. Uh, Did Jaina ever face any consequences for murdering so many innocent Horde and Dalaran, such as shopkeepers, etc.? I've done a lot of quests at this point in WoW, and somehow helping her do this felt much worse than a lot of the gruesome undead quests where you do things. You kind of gloss over the fact that how many weapons of mass destruction were passed through Dalaran, and how many of those people were or were not compliant. Is her actions terrible in the loss of life? Sure. Tell that to the people that died to a bomb. Tell that to the people that died to any of the tragedies that found their way through Dalaran because people turned a blind eye or actively helped.
2: I also think that I want to point out that the person you, the innocent shopkeeper you are talking about, was a direct member of the Sun Reavers. Yep, he wasn't just some guy selling stuff. The nope. various shopkeepers and people you see—they're Sun Reavers. They're they're mages. They're actually people who work directly for the Sun Reavers. And she told them to leave. Mm-hmm. she didn't immediately start killing them she said get out and they didn't uh if she was the head of the kirin tour at the time which she was she had every right to eject them from dalaran that was her job and now everything joe just said is true um and everything you're saying about the fact that it's pretty terrifying to watch her go like she when when jaina takes it off the chain it's scary af i i am not arguing that but the idea that these are like these innocent, you know, horde, I'm going to be upfront with you They're, The horde absolutely cannot claim that there's no such thing as innocent horde and Dalaran at that time, because they just helped sneak the divine bell through Dalaran after already having helped with one horrible atrocity. And she straight up tells them, we're not doing this. We're neutral. We're neutral to the Alliance and the horde. Uh, the Alliance is not allowed to bring stuff through the city. Neither is the horde. And the horde did it anyway, immediately. They didn't yep. even wait. Like they didn't they didn't even try to be subtle about this. So I get why you're saying that. Um, I get where you're coming from on it, but it, it doesn't jibe with what it was actually happening.
1: Yeah, the context it's of it just, is fairly important.
2: Now also, did she face any consequences? Yeah. The Kieran Torch didn't listen to her when mm-hmm. she told them she didn't want to work with the horde. During the Legion, the Kirantor straight up said, look, you're unbalanced. We know you're upset. We saw what happened before, but this, the world is in danger. We, we have to do this. And she flounced off. So did she face some consequences? Yes. Were they, was she put up on charges? Who was going to charge her? Um, that she was the head of the Kirantor at the time. She was the leader. Uh, I and not don't only see... that,
1: but not only that she was right.
2: Yeah. They, they had snuck the divine bell through and she, and again, she told them to leave. You know, uh, I forget, Aethas, Aethas Sunreaver, is that his name? I think so. Yeah. She told him to his face, get out. And he argued with her. And then he tried to fight her. And you saw how that went. She took him out in one go. She didn't even have to kill him. She just waved a hand and he was locked down. Jaina Proudmoore is one of the most terrifying wielders of magic on Azeroth right now. There's like two, I think, that are in her league or above it. One of them is Azshara. When, when I have to go to Ashara to find a, a sorcerer with more power than you, you are incredibly powerful. Because mm-hmm. Ashara is so powerful that pit lords are afraid to take her on. So yeah, I don't know what consequences Jaina would possibly have. I think in her life, she went through tons of consequences for all the stuff she did. But the idea that the group that had just snuck another weapon of mass destruction, one that channeled the power of the Shah one that Garash actually used to corrupt his own people.
1: Remember the Shah that was born out of an old God. Yeah. And he was
2: using it like straight up. He was creating an army of Shah corrupted people. And when one of them died from it, he just mocked them for being too weak after he unleashed it on them in the first place. Yeah. Can you imagine like a horde full of Shah possessed, you know, soldiers that he just, he would just unleash Garrosh showed the way he the way he led wars the way he fought was he was very much a surprise puncher he he didn't like he didn't have any patience for protracted battles with with conventional tactics he didn't want to to pull a horde army up and rock up against an alliance army because he knew full well they'd lose not because the Alliance has got better soldiers, not because the Alliance is like more heroic, because the Alliance has more resources. At the time that he was coming up with his plans, Cataclysm and Mists, he knew the Alliance could simply outlast them. Like the the, the problem that the Horde had in going up against the Alliance is the problem a lot of forces have had. It doesn't matter how many battles you win if the other side can afford to lose them. Mm-hmm. It's only when your battles cost them things they can't afford to lose that they that they matter and he knew he could not do that like he knew that burning down like that sylvanas goes and tries to burn down teldrossel ultimately because she didn't care who won and you you see that by the end of battle for azeroth she didn't care she just wanted war she didn't care who won she just needed to kill as many people as possible to to facilitate the next stage of her plan Garrosh wanted to win if you want to win You have to come up with a way around your enemy's advantages. He had a way around it. He was going to keep coming up with super weapons and keep dropping them on the Alliance until the Alliance was was plum out of resources. And it was going to work. Look at the third time he tried it. And he did it three times. You know, he did it with the mana bomb. He did it with the divine bell. And then he did it with the heart of Yashraj. And each time he barely got stopped. The mana bomb didn't get stopped. It actually worked. He destroyed Theramore. The second time with the Divine Bell, it only got stopped because the Prince of, of Stormwind was a lunatic. Like, he ran up there and he hit that thing with the clapper that we'd found for him, and he broke it and it fell on him and almost killed him. Like, if he hadn't done that, I don't know how we were getting out of that one. And the third time, we had to invade Orgrimmar in force with half the Horde backing us up. You know, the, the most of the Horde had to be like, yeah, um, we're done with this. You kind of you kind of losing it, buddy? Yeah, you, you, you know, this is kind of crazy.
1: Technically it In was canonically it was more than half the horde cuz it was basically every non-orc.
2: Yeah, and and even a lot of orcs.
1: Yep. Any orcs were like, nope, this is crazy. It took it took the combined might of two, both factions uh all of their greatest warriors essentially doing everything they could like, we weren't getting through the front gate of uh, of Orgrimmar until Tyrande and her, you know, wardens decided to go, hey, we're here, let's blow this up. We couldn't get past the Dragon Clan uh, if it wasn't for Lotharmar and uh, all of those archers and magic users bringing them down as with us. Like, it It was a concerted effort from everybody. And Matt's right, he was going to keep doing it. And he was going to keep getting those weapons and he was going to keep getting it. We literally, one of the encounters that you you go through is a cache of ancient and powerful relics that you have to destroy because he's literally sitting on a stockpile of stuff that he could pull out there mogu yeah. relics um bug relics like stuff that he could call upon all of this power if what he's working on fails if the heart fails he's got backups if those backups fails he's got backups how do you think he got them he got them because all these ancient relics all of these things that we were cataloging and trying to keep safe were getting passed to him by Sun
2: And we see this. Yep. This is actually in the, 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 the dominance offensive slash operation shield wall quests during Mists of Pandaria. Even if you're Horde, especially if you're Horde, yeah. you go to, you go to, uh, Oh, Lorthamar, And he's like, I don't like this. I don't want this to be happening. And Athos is like, I have to do it. You know, he's, He's, he's the he's war chief. The, he's the one that's yeah, in demand. He's telling me I have to do this. He goes, "All right, keep informing me what's going on." I've got this this conversation with Varian Rin going. Maybe this will maybe we'll we'll be making a change soon. And that Jaina, you want to see consequences? That's a consequence of Jaina's actions because Jaina flipped out on the Sun Reavers and and basically kicked them out of Dalaran and killed quite a few of them. The the Hippolites were like, "Okay, never mind that." Imagine if she'd waited a little bit and Varian had actually gotten the Blood Elves to flip. Just imagine that. Suddenly the Alliance has bases in Quel'Thalas.
1: Suddenly the Alliance has ranger generals again.
2: Yeah. Think about, you know, suddenly Sylvanas is like got the Alliance on both sides of her. Like Horde presence in in the it, Eastern ooh. Kingdoms would have been over.
1: Not not even that. Like let's go a step further. What faction of elves joined the horde that everybody was absolutely convinced was going to join the alliance? Yeah. If if she had waited and the blood elves had not gotten the the conversation stopped and had flipped to the alliance, the nightborn would have also been the alliance. The elves, all of the elves, would be alliance. That's yeah. a consequence of her action. She stopped yep. that from happening as a result of that.
2: It wasn't like she was, what she was intending to do. No, but it is what happened. It is the direct fallout of her actions. And she wasn't even working for the Alliance when she did it.
1: She was just acting as the operative, the owner, I shouldn't say the owner, the, the chief facilitating ruling class of the Kirin Tor.
2: The de facto queen, because that's what she was. She was de facto, the ruler of the Kirin Tor. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's consequences to her actions, but they're not like, and they're not like anybody got to punish her. I I'd like to see somebody try.
1: But to bring it back, Jaina wasn't taking action on innocence. No, they were complicit in all all of this. The Sun Reavers were complicit, and I'm saying this as a as a person who has played the Horde for almost two decades. Yep. they didn't. They did not do the Horde any favors. They were not innocent. That they they made things worse. They honestly did. So
0: yeah,
2: but but, but it is interesting to think about like. I mean, we're, we're running out of time here, so yeah. I won't go too deep, but I'm going to say it is interesting to think about who would possibly hold her liable and how they would do it. There's few people on Azeroth, I think, can take Jaina Proudmore.
1: I mean, who are you going to do? Are you going to try to make a deal with Azara, Please go go beat her up. Yeah.
2: I'll tell you right now, Thrall couldn't do it.
1: Nope.
2: Thrall and Caligos together couldn't do it. They had to talk her down yep. because they couldn't stop her. Now, granted, she had the focusing iris, but I, you know what I mean. I don't really think it mattered all that much, quite frankly.
1: And her power just keeps growing.
2: Yeah, she showed up. It. She showed up at Undercity with just one boat floating in the air, and by herself, basically took the horde off the board. Yep, by herself, and. It's not like the Horde didn't have a lot of guys there. I mean, you've seen the cinematic. And,
1: and, and, look, and look at the Battle for Azeroth raid. It took an entire group of champions, an entire group of the most powerful beings on Azeroth to combat her. And you didn't kill her. You basically talked her down. You beat her up. You, 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 you flung your bodies at her until she couldn't take it anymore. And then she gave up. That's what happened. And by gave up, we mean she, she decided left. to leave. Yeah
2: not she surrendered herself not that anyone could take her when jaina showed up in stormwind zul you know the zul the prophet zul didn't even try to step to her no he just created diversions he he, he knew she was coming so he set stuff up so she'd leave to go deal with that because he couldn't fight her
1: I think he even says the witch is too powerful. I'm not going to fight her. I'm just taking. He even says like when we ask him what he's doing with starting the fire, and he says a little insurance policy. Yep. Right, because that's that's what he's doing. Because he can't fight her. None of us could. Not not in that small group. It wasn't going to yeah. happen. Nathanos can, can't step to her. Like Nathanos the-
2: couldn't even step to Taronda before she got
1: yeah
2: so yeah i'll say night warrior toronto is one of the few people that could probably stop jaina
1: i would agree but also frankly
2: the two of them would probably talk
1: yeah, they probably would because they would probably fight to a standstill. But I think that's going to do it for today, folks. Hopefully, you've enjoyed t- this week's episode. Blizzard Watch. Especially
2: if you're a Jane Proudmore fan.
1: <laughs> uh, we're going to get so many comments about this. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreoncom Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast, site, and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and it adds free site experience. Again, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Um, your support allows us to make shows like Laura watch, Tavern watch, the Blizzard watch podcast. Uh, they allow us to do all the site articles that we do and all the content that we do. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you. Uh, so every, everything you can give us on that, everything is directly supporting us and directly allowing us to continue to make this, This content. And as a final reminder, uh, and one day I hope that I won't have to say this anymore, but all of us at Blizzard Watch stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard in continuing to demand change for a safer work environment, a level playing field, and a better tomorrow. So thank you very much, folks. We'll see you next week.